Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Pure Thoughts is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Pure Thoughts comes direct from legends of the game as they share secrets of their success. Welcome to a very special edition of Pure Thoughts. I'm Bruce Bernstein. This show is usually devoted to legendary athletes where we hear in their own words what made them tick. Today, our guests are not famous athletes themselves, but they do have connections to the greatest athletes of all time. Joel Platt is the founder and curator of the Sports Immortals Collection, which is the largest and most diverse assortment of sports mementos in the world. Jim Platt is the president of Sports Immortals, and together they've started a partnership with an investing platform and community called Collectible, which offers members of the public an opportunity to invest in different mementos. Welcome, guys. Good to be with you, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Sure. You know, guys, I vividly remember the first time I met you. It was 1996, and my two young sons, my wife and I, were visiting her parents in Delray Beach, Florida, and I'm driving down the Federal Highway, and I saw this commercial building with a sign that said Sports Immortals, and since I was a lifelong sports fan, I was working at ESPN, I said, I got to check this out. So I walked in, and Joel was there. He greeted me. I introduced myself. He gave me a brief tour, and I was blown away by what I saw. And I didn't even see the really good stuff, but we became friends right away. And on my next visit, I met you, Jim. So a quarter century later, here we are. And I still find your stories amazing. So it's really a treat to be able to, to welcome you today to Pure Thoughts. Joel, let me start with you. Tell us how your journey to collect and curate over one million mementos began. Well, it all began in 1943. I was injured in a gasoline explosion bedridden for over a year during the convalescent period, my parents started buying me baseball cards. My favorite card was Babe Ruth. One night I had a dream that the Babe visited me in a dream and said, kid, don't give up. You could get better someday be a major league baseball player or build a museum for sports heroes. I set my life out on that journey, became an outstanding shortstop while playing in college just when I was going to sign with the Boston Red Sox injured my arm, so my major league dream went out the window, never lost sight of the other dream, and to that end, I've traveled over a million miles over a 70-year period to meet all the greats and their widows to curate over one million items, the largest and most valuable collection in the world. Joel, you've always referred to the collection as the crown jewels of sports. I won't ask you what the total value of the collection is, but what is your most prized single collectible, and can you tell us anything about its value? Well, naturally, we have so many uh, significant items. We everything from the Hannes Wagner baseball card to uh, various, uh, probably over 500 items of Babe Ruth and 300 items of Jim Thorpe, but. Uh, some of my favorites are uh, one of the last bats Babe Ruth used as a Yankee autographed by him and all his teammates. Um, Jim Thorpe's Indian clothes, 
medals in his football jersey from the Carlisle Indians and his Olympic uh, album with letters from President Taft uh, congratulating him on the, his Olympic victories in, in Stockholm, Sweden in 1912. He won the decathlon and pentathlon. Um, and Jim Thorpe would be my most favored athlete. Uh, I named my son Jim after him and um, thought he was going to be another Jim Thorpe. <laughs> well, he's the Jim Thorpe of, uh, of Sports Immortals uh, fame, I suppose. Uh, Jim, before I get to my first question, I just wanted to say, you mentioned the Babe Ruth bat. I remember on one of my many trips to see you, you handed me a pair of white linen gloves and then you handed me that bat. So I actually was able to swing that bat. And I'll tell you what, I mean, that thing weighs a ton. So uh, he must have been a truly strong man to be able to whip that thing around and, and hit the kind of home runs that he did over his career. Jim, over the years, you and Joel wanted to do more than just collect these priceless heirlooms. You wanted to share the stories of the athletes as well. So before we dive into the partnership with Collectible, what are some of the ways that you hope to do that moving forward? Yeah, we, when I came on board, my dad's one vision uh, that he's had all his life was to share his collection with the world or the public through a, a physical bricks and mortar museum. And at the time, that was the only way to share his collection with the world. But now in the digital age, it's opened up so many different avenues to share through digital apps and games and virtual museums and just a plethora of different ways to do it. And one of the things that we could do in the physical world is through traveling exhibitions, which is something that I've been working on and very passionately about. And we're under discussions with a few groups right now to do these traveling exhibitions. But really, there's a lot of items that we could share. We're sharing on the collectible platform that you're gonna hear about. We're sharing on our uh, different social media platforms. And it's just, it's a really fun time to be with Sports Immortals because for so many years, we've been out of the public spotlight and we felt it was really time to really launch the brand and really become part of the, the public awareness and that's what we're really hoping to accomplish right now. And so the more people hear about us, the more people are going to realize how truly special an individual my father is and that his life's work is something that's truly special and unique and needs to be shared with as many people as possible. No doubt. So guys, since Pure Thoughts focuses on basketball, let's tell some hoop stories. One of the items that Sports Immortals is putting on Collectible is a game-worn high school jersey that is also signed by Hall of Famer Wilt Chamberlain. How did you acquire that piece, Joel? Well, on one of my, one of my many trips, and I've traveled over a million miles to curate over a million mementos, I stopped off in Philadelphia to catch up with uh, Wilt. And I would come un unannounced. I, I would make a play, uh, take a player's picture, mount it on plywood, make a, a base for it, uh, wood burn their name, and then lacquer, you know, the, the put their record, wood burn their, their record in the base as well, lacquer it, and then put the picture as a three-dimensional on top, wrap it up, and that was my calling card, and I had a little brochure. So I knocked on the door, Mrs. Uh, Chamberlain answered, 
and she, you know, I introduced myself and told her all about me and that myself and my background and how I got started and that I was going to build the premier museum on sports in the world, a world museum and international hall of fame. She welcomed me in. She said, it's just too bad. You just missed what will apparently he had gone back to university of Kansas for some kind of honor they were bestowing upon him. But uh, she brought in her daughter and, and her husband and introduced me. And again, uh, she said she'd be honored to present me with something. And she did. She gave me uh, the uniform he wore in the championship game in, in his Overbrook High School championship game. So we're um, offering that on the platform, a percentage thereof. Um, and I think it's one of the, the truly great gems. And, and I think Wilt was the greatest big man who ever played the game. So, um, but both, I would rank both he and uh, Lou Alcindor, AKA Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one and one A in my book. So Jim, uh, did you ever ask Joel if you could try it on when you were dunking on your Nerf poop in the living room? <laughs> Actually, I did have a Nerf hoof, um, but it wasn't in the living room. Our Growing up in Pittsburgh, we had uh, a large basement in our house that was actually 10 museum rooms. And part of it was uh, we had a pool table, and the pool table was surrounded by mannequins with uniforms on them. So although we didn't try them on per se, they actually, you know, growing up as a little kid, they were more... Uh, obstacles in our way of of playing pool. So it wasn't until really I became a teenager that that I realized these mannequins were not a nuisance, that they actually were pivotal to uh, the future part of my life. So the only item that I actually think, someone asked me that the other day if I tried on everything. And the reality is one time my dad let me wear something for Halloween and it was a Johnny Unitas helmet. And that was, uh, that was pretty much the extent of trying on anything. Wasn't, wasn't Johnny originally from the Pittsburgh area? He was. He was, he was yeah, from yeah. Bloomfield. And uh, when the Steelers cut him, at that time they had Jim Fink's Ted Marchabroda and uh, another quarterback by the name of Vic Eaton. And uh, they drafted uh, Unitas. And I, I had gone up to St. Bonaventure, the training camp, and uh, – he literally stood on the sidelines, hands on hips, and uh, never gave him a chance. They cut him, and then he played for his hometown, Bloomfield Rams, and got $60, I think, uh, a week or a month. And uh, he wrote a letter to Baltimore for a tryout, and the rest is history. He became one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest of all time. So many quarterbacks were from Western PA, right? I mean, what, Joe Namath and uh, Joe Montana? Uh, among others. So, Joel, before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who you mentioned a few minutes ago, became the leading scorer in NBA history, he was Lou Alcindor, UCLA, by any measure, the greatest college basketball player of all time. Three-time three NCAA champion, probably would have been a four-time NCAA champion had freshmen been allowed to play varsity back in his time, because I remember reading stories about how when he was on the freshman team, they would beat the varsity team in scrimmages sometimes. So uh, there you, you, you it, truly, I mean, it, 
the greatest ever in, in college basketball. So you, you're offering his UCLA warm-up jacket on Collectible. Can you tell us the story of that jacket, its historic, his historical significance, and how you were able to add that item to the Sports Immortals collection? Actually, a good friend of mine, um, uh, Don Hewitt, who was the equipment manager at Southern Cal originally and then moved over as a coach and equipment manager with the Rams, uh, just one of the nicest individuals helped me get so many things for the Sports Immortals collection. And um, he telephoned me one day and he said uh, that some of his uh, colleagues at uh, UCLA had the jacket that uh, Lou Alcindor had worn in his 69 championship NCAA championship game when they defeated UCLA defeated Purdue. And uh, he was also wearing this on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. So very historically significant item and uh, really, really something that every, everybody should have a piece of, so to speak, uh, and be proud thereof. But uh, Dawn said, you know, I'm going to send this to you. And uh, I think it deserves to be in the Sports Immortals Museum collection. And uh, that's how it came to be. All right. So now let's talk about uh, collectible a little bit, Jim. The Wilt jersey, the Kareem slash Lou UCLA jacket, and three other items from the collection are now being offered on collectible. Can you tell our listeners and our viewers how they can invest and how this whole thing works? Absolutely. Um, the, the visit, your users or listeners um, could go to any the App Store or Google Play and download the app. It's collectible, collectable with an A, not an I, uh, collectible app. They could also go to collectible with an A.com and download it from their website uh, or any of their social media platforms. But what had happened was, as, as we were perusing different ideas on, on how to uh, spread our content around and share it and preserve the memories and achievements of the greatest athletes of all time, there was a lot of different ideas thrown out there. But in the last 18 months, three different entities called me and said, we have this new opportunity, which is called fractionalization. And it first started out with paintings. And the concept was very few people in the world could afford to buy a Monet or a Picasso, but that as an alternative asset class, the art world, uh, only the, the wealthy of the wealthiest could benefit from the uptick and appreciation of that asset class. So if they allowed people to invest in a painting as if it were a stock by dividing it into shares, a lot of people um, from various income brackets could benefit from the appreciation that only a few were able to uh, benefit from. And that was really the spark that opened up uh, the concept of applying fractionalization to other asset classes, one of which is sports collectibles. So knowing that we have the largest and most valuable collection in the world, it, it was no coincidence that three of the new players were trying to acquire us as partners so that we would be able to um, en enhance and basically be their supply side 
of the platform. So we spent a lot of time talking to different companies, but when I met with Collectible, what really stood out about them was a few things. Number one, they were the only one specifically dedicated to sports, where the other ones got into a little bit more pop culture, um, literary things, and it just, it, it became more of a smorgasbord versus something uh, specifically about sports, which is what we're all about. Second, what I found was some of these other platforms were very sparse on the details of the assets they were listing, as opposed to collectible, they stressed going deep into the storyline, the background of these athletes. So if we, I knew if we put an item up of Jesse Owens, for example, it wouldn't just be, here's a Jesse Owens medal and Jesse Owens was fast. We wanted them to go deeper and say that Jesse Owens was such a special human being with special talents. And he wasn't just fast, but he was able to succeed in, in a very turbulent and, and tumultuous environment of the 1936 games. And there was a lot of other things that made him special. And that was important to us because one of the things all along was us was uh, telling the stories of these athletes and what made them special. And it really seemed that Collectible was going to be another vehicle for us to do that. The second reason is they were very intrigued by our idea of doing exhibits. And we wanted somebody to uh, allow us the ability to put items on the platform, but at the same time, allow us to exhibit our collection as well as some of the items that are on the platform. So that it's a cool concept where if we do exhibits, um, whenever we have items that are available on the platform, we could have special events for the shareholders to come and meet Joel and, and see the items that they are partial owners of. And one thing that could happen in the near future is that people could see our exhibits, fall in love with an item and actually be able to purchase a share of it right there and then on the spot. So it was the storytelling, it was the exhibits. And, and, and the final thing was, we, we really liked the fact that they had a very strong marketing group and a lot of their vision was aligned with ours. And we felt that together we, we were much stronger. And as we're starting to launch our Sports Immortals brand, we thought that this was a good catalyst to help us do it and get out of the gate. So Jim, let's say I wanted to invest $1,000, let's say, in, in, on the collectible app. How do I track my investments and how do I see what the appreciation is on my investment? Well, first there's what's called an IPO, an initial um, product offering. And there's a limited amount of shares at a certain price. So every Thursday uh, so far has been the day that we launch a Sports Immortals offering at 1 p.m., which is gonna be usually the way it's gonna be. And at that moment, whoever has the app could purchase uh, shares at that moment. From, from that time, 90 days, there's a holding period. And then after 90 days, there's gonna be a secondary marketplace open up where there's people could trade shares, a bid and an ask, just like the stock markets do. And at that point, you'll be able to see if there's a demand for your item and there's appreciation, or if there is not. But 
a lot of times, you know, there's other external factors that um, affect the appreciation or depreciation as it may be, but more than likely the items that we're putting on there, uh, we hope are historically significant enough that um, there'll be a, a large demand for those. And, and also a lot of times athletes, for example, unfortunately Gail Sayers recently passed, but it's, it's known um, in terms of uh, monetary position when an athlete passes, usually their memorabilia does tend to appreciate and go up. So Joel, three other items that you're putting up on collectible are a Muhammad Ali championship belt, a Jackie Robinson signed bat with his statistics stenciled on it, and a Johnny Unitas jersey. Why did you choose those items along with the basketball pieces? Well, that was a difficult decision, but Muhammad Ali in my travels, uh, I thought was just the greatest human being that I had ever met. Every time I met him, it was a, a, uh, a monumental experience. And uh, if we have time, I'll, I'll go into a few of the stories. But we put up his championship belt. And uh, again, that uh, we, we only fractionalized 25% for the public and uh, it sold out within 25 hours uh, on a Jackie Robinson bat for historical reasons. Uh, you know, we all know the story of Jackie breaking the uh, colored barrier and being the first uh, Negro in the major leagues. So um, it was really uh, something that we felt the public should have an opportunity and, and that's the shears on the bat sold out within uh, 24 minutes. So, you know, there's a strong demand. This is kind of a revolutionary concept uh, where a person ha is using it as, 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 a not both as a, an enjoyable collectible and being part of history and part of something special, but investing in something and investing in something that has shown uh, a history of appreciation. So for the most part, it's, it's really uh, turned into a, a great opportunity. So Joel, Kareem and Ali were both household names and sports icons before they changed their names from Cassius Clay and Lou Cinder. Is the value of their pre-name change memorabilia affected in any way by the fact that they changed their names in the prime of their careers? I, I, I would say uh, no. Uh, I think people really base it on their, their achievements per se. Uh, you're always going to get some segment of the population that, 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 might, no matter what you're doing, uh, I've learned, you know, in my experience, my many years on earth, that no matter what you do, you always have your dissenters and, and you have the, your people that, are, that approve, and then you have the 50% 50, 50 in the middle that really don't have, have any, any kind of opinion on the subject. So we were building a children's hospital down the street, for example, there'd be 25% of the people yelling, we don't want it here. There'd be 25% thinking it was the greatest thing on earth and in the middle 50% could care less, you know. They build it, yes, and if they don't, that's okay too.
So I think the answer is, you know, you'll find a few dissenters, but for the most part, you know, they, they believed in, in what they were doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's everyone's prerogative to choose what religion they, 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 they believe in. And, uh, and Kareem especially is a very, very intelligent individual. And, um, you know, strongly believes in his convictions. Now, Bruce, some of the, Bruce, go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Sorry, excuse me. I, I, I wanted to add uh, specifically to the answer to your question in terms of value is it isn't so much that when they changed their name, whether it was during, you know, the pinnacle of their careers or not, it, it, what happens is in the collecting world, historically, the older the items are, the more valuable they are. So for example, Lou Alcindor, when he would graduate, anything from the UCLA days or his first couple years on the Milwaukee Bucks are more valuable than anything that he wore after the name change, not because of the name change, but just because of the, the sequence of history, right? And similarly, the same thing with Muhammad Ali, the Cassius Clay items that are older during the you know, late 50s, early 60s, tend to carry more value than some of the, the later in his career items. Got and it. I may okay. add also, uh, Bruce, yeah. that the value is also because of the scarcity, because uh, you know, their earlier names and their achievements were were very early, uh, later in date, and they're much more scarce and valuable. Understood. All right. So, Jim, do the athletes who put items on collectible, not necessarily the items that Sports Immortals is putting up, but let's say any active athletes who might be putting some of their, or, or at least living athletes. I know Emmett Smith is involved in this somehow. How do the athletes who put their own items up on collectible, do they benefit in any particular way? Yes, they're benefiting a couple ways, but as a consigner, if you will, in an example of Emmett Smith, he was putting on uh, one of his jerseys is gonna be put on a special jersey from his career, as well as two trophies uh, that he, he was awarded. It allows the athletes to not have to lose possession of the items. A lot of times athletes, whether they wanna cash in or get liquidity for their families, right now the only way for them to do that is to sell 100% of the item through an auction house. What collectible allows these athletes to do is maintain their trophies on their mantle, but at the same time, sell up to 49% of it and get liquidity that way and never have to part with the item and that they could stay in their family in perpetuity. So there's, there's that as well as collectible has different um, opportunities for them to participate with their user base, whether it's through meet and greets and unfortunately during COVID that's not possible, but there's through Zoom meetings with their fans, there's, there, there's different ways that they can communicate between the communication between the athlete and their fans. So it bridges the gap between those two. Okay. I, I might also add, Bruce, that, that perception, which is always important in life, 
an athlete, you know, doesn't want to put his items necessarily unless he's really desperate at auction because it, it denotes that he has been unsuccessful business-wise and needs money. Uh, this is a way we like to think of sharing with the public for the athlete to share his his items at the same time monetize the item and as Jim astutely pointed out they get to keep the item as well so you know as long as you keep a minority interest which uh, Sports Immortals does as well so we don't give up the item we maintain it and we have it for our planned projects which include a World Museum and International Hall of Fame the sports and morals experience, which is the hybrid of our big, big attraction, as well as our whole branded uh, endeavors, traveling exhibitions and product merchandise development, etc. Uh, Bruce, Bruce, I'm sorry, just want to add something. Sure, go ahead. Um, what what differentiates uh, some of the items that other consigners are putting on? other platforms or even collectible is that whenever we put a sports mortals item on the platform, the, the upside for the shareholders obviously is the potential for appreciation, but also if sports immortals were to utilize that particular asset in one of our planned projects, like a traveling exhibition, if we were to get any license fees for, for, use of that so if a hundred if we share or sell 49 percent of an item and we end up getting a licensing fee of a hundred dollars for that item 49 dollars of that hundred will go out to the other shareholders as a dividend so there's a potential for them through the sports immortals items to benefit that way as well excellent okay we got to tell a couple of quick stories here from Joel as we as we start to round third base and head for home to to mix sports metaphors here. Joel, the greatest player in the early years of the NBA was five-time champion George Mikan of the Lakers who started out in Minneapolis before moving to Los Angeles in 1960. You have his game-worn uniform, but I think the story of how you got it is tremendous. Can you share that story? Sure. I was uh, wintering for a couple weeks at the Harbor Island Spa in Florida, and I'm sitting around the pool, and uh, I'm a 24-7 guy, so I'm always thinking. I'm saying to myself, boy, I really need something from Satchel Paige and, and George Mikan. So I leave the pool. I go up to my room. I call George Mikan in Minneapolis. He was an attorney as well. And uh, I get him on the phone, and I said, George, listen, Name's Joel Platt, tell him my story. And I said, I want to make a date and fly down and meet with you. So he gives me a date three, three weeks hence. And uh, I scheduled my, my plane ticket. So I fly, fly into Minneapolis, meet with George, spend a delightful day and uh, taped him and uh, interviewed him and told him my story. And I, and I said to him, George, you know, growing up, you know, uh, who inspired you the most? And he said, well, Babe Ruth was his favorite athlete. And, and he had a chance to go to a sit next to Babe Ruth, you know, on the bench in, in one of the games. They never 
would forget that. And he said the greatest inspiration was his coach at DePaul. He said, when I got to DePaul, I would trip over the lines. I was so awkward. And uh, Ray Myers, the coach, it really made him what I, a great player that he was. So I said, George, you know, uh, like to get a memento of yours for the collection. So he goes into his utility room, brings out this garbage bag, and he said, uh, Joel, here, take whatever you want. So I look in the, in the garbage bag, and it looks like I, I might have saved it from the refuge dump, but he had four uniforms, and he, he told me, take whatever you want. I wound up taking three uniforms, and I said, George, you should at least keep one for yourself. Jim, I, I got one final question for you, but before we do that, I got I to gotta ask Joel. We're a basketball-oriented show. I can't let you go without asking you about your friendship with the late Maurice Lucas. Luke was one of the most feared competitors in NBA history, but those who knew him loved him very, very much. Tell us about your relationship with Big Luke. I got to go, know Big Luke. Uh, I had a big basketball court in back, my backyard. Used to bring up the best players to keep me in shape. And uh, we became great friends in 12th grade. I loaned him my car to go to his sing, senior prom. And uh, he was like a son to me. And uh, for love of me, I can't understand why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He was the premier uh, uh, power forward. I think he revolutionized the power forward position. But so articulate of a person. And... Uh, his mother was a librarian and his aunt was a teacher and a very educated uh, young man and just a, a great individual, great player. Got his start, you know, at Marquette, left early, went to the ABA and was an all-star, one of the all-time greats in the ABA. And uh, Bill Walton and Bill Bradley both uh, put an album together, called him the greatest laser of all time and uh you know i just scratch my head that he's not in the in the in the uh, nba hall of fame i remember going to the uh, greater hartford open golf tournament probably a little over 20 years ago and luke was there playing in the pro-am and uh i went up to him with my sons he you know was really gracious gave him his autographs and uh that was my one encounter with Luke, but you know, a lot of people don't know that Bill Walton named his son Luke, who is a coach, uh, after Luke. That's how. That's why Luke Walton has the first name Luke. Bill named him after the great Maurice Lucas. All right, you guys have been very generous with your time, but Jim, I've, I've got one more question for you. Uh, as we wrap things up, how can our listeners learn more about the future plans of Sports Immortals, the partnership with Collectible? Uh, just tell them one more time if they want to do a little more research on their own. Sure. Uh, they could go to our website, which is sportsimmortals.com. They could go to Collectible's website, which is collectible, C-O-L-L-E-C-T-A-B-L-E.com. And they have a big social media platform as well as sports mortals is available on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. I also Joel, might add, Bruce, we yes. have our book sports Immortals: stories of achieve, inspiration and achievement, which chronicles my million mile journey to meet all the greats with pictures of all the 
historical items that have been bestowed upon me. It was written by my son, Jim. I'm very proud of him and, and the great work. I think it's one of the greatest books of all time. We've sold over 150,000 copies. I am a very, very proud owner of that book. I believe it is autographed by both of you, which I greatly appreciate. It's one of my treasured books in my bookshelf behind me, which you, you can't see. Guys, thanks to both of you for sharing your pure thoughts about the amazing Sports Immortals collection and your partnership with Collectible. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bruce. Been a pleasure being with you. Thanks to our guests, Joel and Jim Platt of Sports Immortals for joining us on Pure Thoughts. We look forward to seeing how their mission to help fans own a piece of the crown jewels of sports continues into the future. Until next time, I'm Bruce Bernstein. Pure Thoughts is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 